Yes, friends. On the almighty Wednesday in the afternoon session, who knows when you may hear it as we go live on YouTube as well, because it's OGP, the One Giant Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Armbrecht, also covering the Brooklyn Nets for the Locked On Nets Podcast. And there's your other host. It's a lifetime, generational New York football Giants fan, the healthy, wealthy, and wise, Mr. Andrew Mackowitz. How are we, sir? I'm good. I mean, what a flurry of activity the last couple of days going on in the NFL around the league. But more importantly, the Giants have been active, not only with, with roster changes, with trades, with claims. Oh, my. Like, it's all over the place right now. Who knew that it could snow in August? You know what I mean? Just a flurry of movement for the New York football Giants. And you're right. Listen, um, we, we talked about it before we came in. Normally, we kind of script through just what are the bullet points we want to cover. There's a lot of names and a lot of moving parts. I, I think it's fair just to kind of come in with this overall absorption of what's happened. We're going to touch on a handful of guys, especially the waiver claim players. Um, but let's start with the offensive line. We understood the state of it. There was the speculation around should the Giants have made a bigger splash trade at some point along the way. Right after we get through the, the final preseason game, we're moving into this waiver cut time period. The Giants do make a couple of quick moves. There's some some picks getting thrown around as well. Let's not worry about that. But how did you feel initially on adding two interior offensive linemen to this unit that obviously had its concerns, some retirements and, and injury concerns around one Shane Lemieux that recently came out? He's going to be trying to play through an injury to avoid surgery. Definitely not something you can go into the season with. Yeah. Once you heard that, I mean, it went from bad to worse for the Giants. You know, it sounded like a, a rupture or a tear of the patella tendon. You know, Giant fans will know that well because it seems eerily similar to what happened with Victor Cruz that basically derailed um, the the back half of his career with the Giants. You know, Shane Lemieux is looking to, to potentially play through it and fight through it. That is one tough hog molly. D- Dave Gettleman must have been super excited to hear that he's going to try to tough it out with like half a knee snapping uh, across his offensive line. But after seeing what happened in that third preseason game, no Shane Lemieux out there, realizing he may not even be at full strength at any point during the season. You know, what we talked about on Monday show, the Giants had to go out and make some moves, albeit whether it's the waiver wire or not. And they were actually really smart about what they did. And I'm going to give Gettleman some some kudos here for a couple different things. First is, you know, BJ Hill and Ryan Santoso. So two players the Giants traded out, knowing that Santoso didn't have a roster spot and was going to be waived because we have Graham Gano. To get any asset for him was awesome for the Giants to do. And second with BJ Hill, seeing how Raymond Johnson, who I want to talk about a little bit later, you know, came on during camp. BJ Hill was just kind of a, a little bit of out of the rotation, a little bit in a, in, a, in a weird spot. And the Giants were able to flip an area of, of depth and strength for a guy that was a first round draft pick only a couple of years ago to, to solidify the offensive line and Billy Price. So for me, I, I think those moves right out of the gate were exceptional in terms of what we gave up to what, what we got, Adam. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. And you think about like the best organizations in any sport, right? You, you take an asset. You bring in a player that doesn't have any real value for your team. We talk about Santoso, right? And you turn him into value. I don't care if it's I don't care if it's a ninth round pick, right? Like it doesn't. I don't care if it's for an extra football for the practice squad. He had no value to your team because he had Gano there, and you turn him into a valuable asset. So that that's a great job uh, on the first front. And then the, the footnote on BJ Hill too is remember he's in a walk year, right? This is a guy whose contract is about to run out, and if you feel like other players have performed well throughout camp. It's not dissimilar to the Dalvin Tomlinson scenario, a much lower level player as far as the quality uh, on the field. 
but you just go. He's not going to be here next year. He's not coming back. And if we feel good about our depth, why don't we go ahead again and turn this into better depth somewhere else, better value somewhere else on this team? So the the, the mixed bag that is Dave Gettleman as a GM, th- this was just one of those high notes. And I think for the most part, this is going to be a conversation all about the, the positive things that came out of this offseason. Before we get to the second offensive lineman they brought in, you want to speak a little bit about Raymond? Do you want to hold off on that? Oh, we can talk about the defensive side of the ball later when we talk about the 53, but but Ben Bredesen is is someone we definitely should talk about. Ironically, uh, Giants pull off a trade with, with the Baltimore Ravens. A bunch of different picks go back and forth in terms of pick swaps that, you know, the Giants give up a fourth, but get a fifth and a seventh, and they bring in uh, Bredesen. And ironically, he was kind of the odd man out across the Baltimore Ravens line because of one Kevin Zeitler, who ended up taking the guard position from him. So it all comes around full circle with, with Zeitler, not necessarily being on the Giants anymore, but helping to get another guard over to the Giants in a time of need. Yeah, and I, again, so there's a couple of layers to this. One, you just think about the injury to Shane Lemieux. Okay, you want to make sure that you're going to be healthy going into the season. You think about the play of some of the other offensive linemen. Wiggins came in, did not look good. Larson came in, got a little dinged up, right? So you still want to have the depth, but I'll I'll go the step deeper on this. Remember, Nick Gates is going to be in a contract year. Will Hernandez is in a contract year. These are both young players that they acquired, and they're both capable of being starting caliber offensive linemen. This is kind of the... This is the silver lining when your offense, I, I said this the other day on Twitter, like it's not just that the offensive line has been poor over the last handful of years. It's also that what we were getting sold was we're going to sell you backups as starters and then practice squad players as backups. So when you go in and bring two young players like this that have upside and both have dealt with some injuries either last year or even in this training camp, you now get to say, hey, we have healthy competition in the short and long term across our offensive line. I- I'm ecstatic about it. Uh, the-, the second of the two pickups, solid preseason from him. Looked looked sound, right? Struggled a little bit. The injury, again, I- I'm not going to be shocked if one of these players is claiming a starting role that Shane Lemieux with the injury may never get back. Yeah, and, and that also protects against Shane Lemieux might not even be ready for week one. We just talked about how he has this patella injury. If he's not ready to go, you know, we have two guys now that I believe are better depth pieces than what we had in Wiggins and Larson. So we immediately upgraded our depth and both of them are familiar with starting. They both have, uh, you know, price specifically started a lot in Cincinnati um, has a ton of experience. So we know that if they step in, the moment's not going to be too big for them. Now, how good can they be under new coaching is, is a completely different, you know, facet that we're going to have to figure out how quickly they can get acclimated across this line is probably going to be one of the more important factors. You know, how can, how can they get some cohesiveness and consistency when they haven't had it all off season? Because guys have been in and out of the lineup. You have Shane Lemieux getting hurt. You have Nate Solder get, getting dinged up in practice. You have guys coming in and out. Zach Fulton retires. Joe Looney comes in for a cup of coffee. Then's like, Nope, not here. And you, and you have Ted Larson making the squad and then being dropped. And you have Kenny Wiggins, like, there's been no cohesiveness or consistency across this line. Finally, for the next couple of weeks, you know, because the Giants didn't make any claims on offensive linemen, which we'll get into the claims in, in, in a minute, you finally kind of have what you think is going to be this lineup going into the regular season. So now we have just under two weeks to get this tight and get it ready for Denver. And that's probably the one thing, right? It's like you make these moves and now you got to get that cohesion. I think even when we talk about going back to last year, one of the, the caveats we kept giving was, well, remember, all these guys are in different positions and they haven't played alongside one another. 
and you want them to develop that chemistry. So now on the interior, it may only be one spot at left guard, but second year for Andrew Thomas, right? Cohesion there, cohesion with Nick Gates. And it'd just be nice to see, you know, whatever we can glean from the outside looking in. Hopefully the reports are, hey, these two players came into camp. They're both looking strong. They both look comfortable on the line, and we're going to be in a good spot going forward. We're, we'll hold off. I mean, I'm not going to hold off on it. I'm just going to make the statement. It's surprising. We're going to get to the claims here. I would have thought if they were making trades like this, we might have suspected it was going to be for a tackle. I think the caveat would be these are easier positions to to acquire from other rosters. There's there's better talent at those positions than other rosters as we move into this waiver claim session. And we're going to get back into it a little bit more here in a minute. Um, the initial 53 came out, as we know. Uh, you know, I don't want to be too, you know, dead on the vine with some of the news. The big surprise was that Sam Beal made that initial 53. Any other any other takeaways before we get to some of these waiver claims and, and how they're going to shuffle the deck here a little bit? But there were surprising, some su- surprising moves here when it came to getting down to that initial 53. Sam Beal making the roster reminded me of like the meme or the gif of like someone that was buried six feet under and you just see like the hand pop out from like under the gravestone or like the undertaker is like unconscious and you think he's dead and he just like pops back up from the grave. Like when I saw Sam Beal made the roster, I, that was my immediately my first thought, which just goes to show like what an incredible turnaround. I, to be honest with you, I didn't see what the giants saw in terms of, of this huge like reclamation when, when, when the giants were playing Cleveland, he was with the third string unit playing in the third quarter, getting burned left and right. And I was like, Oh man, this is the end of Sam Beal as we know it. So something happened between that moment and, and these cuts to be able to have him make the roster, which is shocking to me. You, you are absolutely right. Him making the roster. I don't think any giants fan, even the beat writers like, yep, Sam Beal made it. Like who knew? Like, I don't think anybody was prepared for, for, uh, you know, Sam to, to, you know, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory or vice versa, you know, <laughs> however that, however that phrase goes, yes. no, hundred percent. And we won't belabor it too much, but I think, you know, sometimes the hard thing is too, it's like when you see him getting completions against them, we talked about it a little bit where I was like, it looks like he's in a good spot. And sometimes it's, it's the last phase, right? Getting your hand in before the reception comes. But when you're playing against second and third string players, you go, you got to start to look pretty strong there. I think he looked better in the last game. And, and this is the thing about practice and study. And we talked about this with Nate Solder as well. Remember, this is a guy who opted out. So physical conditioning and shape, how long is that timeline where maybe from the inside, certainly organizationally you go, well, he, he's studying right, right? The practice reps look strong. On game, it looks like maybe he's a step slow, but that could be the fatigue factor and still trying to ramp yourself up. So you give a little leeway. Listen, he's one of the first names that if another move needs to get made is probably going to be on that chop potentially. But I love the fact that they was able to pull through because this is a Joe Judge run team where clearly this is merit and performance based, right? They're not giving this out for free or just holding roster spots because of your name or because what well, we couldn't possibly move on from player X, right? So that's that's a good piece, I think, to take away from that as well. Well, I mean, Sam Beal, you think is one of the first guys to go. We'll talk about it in a minute on, on who the Giants claimed after we talk about the 53. But there was three guys that were held out of practice after the waiver claims were in and Sam Beal wasn't one of them. So like, yeah, it, this feels like a March madness bracket where you're like, this team is definitely out. And then like you get the committee, they're like, Oh, they were comfortably in the the field of 64. You know, they, they they were comfortably in the field the whole time. 
when we talk about the offensive side of the ball, I think there's two key places that I go uh, immediately. I think we we kind of saw the shakeup on the offensive line. We knew that uh, the quarterback was going to be what it was. I feel like we kind of knew the tight end position was going to be where it is for now. Really, it was Gary Brightwell over Corey Clement making making the you know the the final third running back in the running back room, and I think seeing Dante Pettis and C.J. Board make it over fan favorite. David Sills seemed to be the other one that got everyone talking about it on Twitter. It's victory lap. Pettis made the roster. Just like I said, let's not talk about who I thought he was going to make it over and who was maybe <laughs> going to get cut or I thought should be cut. He made the roster. So that counts. I get the win. I put the win in that column there. I think that you're right. And listen, it got into a, a fun back and forth, a very cordial back and forth with uh, a member of the Twitter verse around Eli Penny and carrying quote two fullbacks. Like I was like, you're, you're thinking about this wrong. And uh, uh, behind the curtain here, I have a great research staff. Uh, at the top of the list there is Andy Makowitz. And then right underneath him, a couple of great guys and Andy Makowitz and also Andy Makowitz. Really, they get me the information that I need. So I have all the firepower uh, possible. But this was, the th- you know, these tea leaves were there. Like you, you saw Eli Penny getting rushing attempts. It made it feel comfortable. Like I, I kind of thought Corey Clement should be the guy on the outs based on personnel and who can cover these gaps. The Sills piece, him getting cut, it's surprising, and we'll, we'll say why maybe it shouldn't have been in a minute when we get to the waiver claims. But I think this is, again, this is the reminder. And, and probably, like, for both of us, you were really high on Sills, and, and I was enjoying him. But I think I had it right talking about Pettis and saying, this is a proven commodity, and it's why he, sh- he, he probably gets the benefit of the doubt to make the roster. The same way when you were telling me John Ross is going to be on this roster, it's because he has been in the league. There is the upside to him, and you want to give every opportunity for that. David Sills, for as, as excited as we got about him, was doing it against some backup players in preseason games. It, it's You have to strike that balance of expectations and where the value on these players are. And the biggest surprise to me was that because he was following around Daniel Jones and working with him, Sometimes players like that make the roster because the QB likes him and the Giants just weren't able to make those numbers work. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, so a few things. One is, yeah, I thought David Sills was going to make it, but there's a theme throughout all of this in in what we realize, and that is you better have multiple facets to your game. You know, John, John Ross made it because he has an elite trait. If you have an elite trait, you can coach somebody up and, and try to get the most of that trait. His, his elite trait is blazing speed. If you don't have something that you could just hang your hat on as like, I'm super athletic or I can run really fast or I could jump really high. If you're just a guy, then you need to be able to do a lot of things. Well, look at, look at CJ board. He was a Swiss army knife. He's good on special teams. He's good at catching the, catching the ball. They were even giving him end around runs, things like that. Dante Pettis, very similar, has special teams background, can do multiple things. Is a little bit taller, a little bit more athletic. And David Sills is a one-dimensional player. He is a wide receiver and nothing else. He doesn't contribute on special teams. They're not going to give him end-around plays. Like, that's not where he goes. And that ultimately was something that I think I lost sight in, in wanting him to be on this roster so badly, is that, yeah, like, he's he's good at catching the ball, and that's what you want from a wide receiver. But, like, if we really need him to do that one you know, single thing, that means something has gone horribly wrong for our wide receiver room because it means – Galladay and Tony are hurt or Shepard got hurt or Slayton got hurt. Like that's, that's the reality of the situation. And by the way too, right. If Sills had done this last season, 
you might have felt differently about him being deserving of right. a roster spot, right? Once right. you sign Kenny Galladay, once you draft Tony, you go, yeah, but now we got all this other kind of talent here. So it's not like, well, if you make the, like, you could be, you get reps. Like you could have done what Pettis did when they brought him over. All of a sudden you flash a few games and it builds up your goodwill. So listen, we all love a good underdog story and maybe we got swept up in the emotions of it all. Um, on the defensive side, I think from, from there on out, everything is pretty straightforward offensively. Uh, we'll see how it trickles down and, and if anything needs to happen. On the defensive side of the ball, you mentioned at the top uh, Raymond Johnson. after the My BJ, man. Yeah, I, and listen, after the B.J. Hill trade, you looked at that room, you said they must feel good. You list, you think about defensive line there. Williams, Lawrence, Danny Shelton, Flash, and those little games where you go, oh, that's that's a hug, Molly, for you. On the defensive side, Austin Johnson, obviously from last year as well. But Raymond Johnson, what what do you? how did he make it possible for the Giants to move B.J. Hill? It is crazy, undrafted, you know, a name that nobody knew going in, going into any of this training camp. Like the Giants just brought him in. I thought it was going to be like, oh, let's just have another warm, warm body competing. He showed up and apparently like you listen to his interviews, he was trying to absorb every single nugget he could from Leonard Williams, everything he could get from Dexter Lawrence. And he played his heart out. Like he was all in on it. And you listen to these interviews He's fulfilling his his dream, and I know that's such a cliche thing to say, Adam. Like, guy makes an NFL roster, it was his dream. But his dream was to play for the New York Giants. He went to Georgia Southern, and he's from South Carolina. And you're like, how does that even make sense? His favorite player growing up, and this was a, a New York Post article, did a, did a really good piece of it. His favorite player growing up was Justin Tuck. Like, that was who he idolized, right? And he couldn't be number 91 at Georgia Southern because someone else occupied it that was older than him. So what number did he pick? 92 because of Michael Strahan. Like he literally loves big blue. It's probably why he came here as a, as an undrafted free agent. And for him to make the roster, you could tell he's super excited. He wants to get to work. This is just the beginning. I, I like a feel good story. We all were a little, you know, Twitterverse was all upset about David Sills. Cause you're like, we haven't seen John Ross. How does Dante Pettis make it? When BJ Hill got traded and it opened the door for, for Raymond Johnson, the third to be able to make this roster. That was the feel good moment that I needed Adam. No, for sure. Yeah. And as you say, well, if not still somebody, right? Give me, give me something <laughs> I can get excited about. And, and it is nice. And, and in, inside of that article, if you go check it out, I, I want to give credit where it's due, but I don't have it on the tip of my tongue. Should have. Um, they talk about though, got, got overlooked in middle school, got overlooked in high school, like was constantly overlooked. And it's a lot about his interactions with his father and what he instilled in him of like, that that's fine. Everything that you, everything that you get, it's earned. You have to go out and earn it. And that's, you just have to keep grinding at that process. And, you know, just from a high level picture, a lot of guys that go through and get drafted or don't get drafted, but like this is 10, 15 years building up to the point when you're about to come out of college, maybe and have a chance to be in the NFL. Right. So th this is a long dream realized we'll, we'll keep our eye on him and <laughs> let's just Make sure that this guy stays on the roster because I don't want to be over here glowing about him only to have him get cut for somebody else. I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. That's my one big concern. I'm like, yes, he finally made it, but the <laughs> dust hasn't settled yet. We'll we'll talk about, you know, well, I think what's important is we'll talk about the waiver claims a little bit because that's shaped the roster slightly. Yeah. Adam, what, what I think is noteworthy is so we'll get into the New York Giants put in three waiver claims during the waiver claim period that ended at noon today. So they have three players, which we'll discuss in a second. A lot of Twitter verses like go figure none of the Giants players that we released ended up getting claimed. The Giants don't have talent. Why did, why, why would anyone care? You know, et cetera, et cetera. The interesting thing is, well, wait a second. Dave Gettleman was smart and flipped the guys that would have been claimed 
like Santoso and like BJ Hill for yeah. assets before they got released. So like, I don't think it's really fair, uh, a fair indictment of Dave Gettleman to say that we don't have the talent. He traded those talent and got assets as opposed to giving it up for nothing. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. That's a really good point to make, right? Like you can say we were, you know, some teams are so overwhelmed with talent as we get to the waiver claims that it doesn't matter. You know, no one's going to come knocking, whatever it is, but sometimes if you don't ask, you don't know, right? So Dave Gettleman asked, does anybody want Santoso? Somebody did. Is anyone willing to make a move here for BJ Hill to improve their defensive front? Somebody did. So the value was there. You did it before you had to make those cuts. And now, yeah, the other, the others, quote unquote. No, they, they're not necessarily NFL talent, but it did exist there. And I, you know, it, it's a modest step in the right direction. But we talked about this over the last couple of years that the Giants have been building up the depth across this roster to have more talent available. So it's a good, it's a good point that you bring up. Inside of then the waiver claims, you said three were made. One is somewhat surprising given the fact that they did release David Sills. The other two, I think, when we do talk about that initial 53, it makes sense. Um, you look at the linebacking room, you look at the defensive line, it's good. You like the players that are there, but it doesn't mean that it couldn't use a little bit of extra depth. So these are these are familiar faces, by the way, right? Like these are guys cast your mind back. We talked with Jay Stevens, who covers the uh, Ohio State Buckeyes. We talked about in our draft night coverage and players that we scouted and thought could be fits for the Giants. We were around these players. It took a while for them to get there, but we ultimately hit on a couple of these, I think, Andy. Yeah, I mean, Colin Johnson is the one that I, I that sticks out to me. I mean, we talked about I remember I remember this vividly from uh, a year and a half ago, basically, when when we talked about Colin Johnson, six, five, six, six wide receiver out of out of Texas. We highlighted oh, him as uh, we loved it because we talked about how we love big, tall wide receivers because we think about Plaxico Burris and we seem to forget about, you know, Ramsey's Barden and how terrible that ended up playing out. But Colin Johnson was the guy that, that kind of had. Good speed, good size, someone that we thought, you know, the Giants should be interested in in the wide receiver room. Ultimately went to the Jaguars, got a little bit of, of playing time there. I think he caught a couple balls. Ended up, you know, not making this roster a little too thin. Think about they had DJ Shark. They they signed Marvin Jones in the offseason. You know, the Jaguars have overhauled their talent quite a quite a bit on the on the wide receiver group. I, I think it's a, a great move for the Giants, but it also kind of shows to your point how far David Sills probably was from making this roster. Like they're like, yeah, we could get 10 David Sills off of anyone else's practice squad. The, you can't teach six, six, you can't teach four, two forty speed that John Ross has. These are traits that like David Sills just will never have. So I like this move for the giants. I think it'll be interesting uh, to see, you know, uh, w- what ends up happening with the roster. If we claimed him knowing that a guy like Dante Pettis ended up being held out of practice, wasn't at practice today. Could he be the guy that kind of moves out and Colin Johnson moves in as a result? Interesting to think about this too. I, we, we liked this kid coming out at 221, you know, six foot six. There is some speculation, right? Like the, the, the profile on him was like, this is an X receiver that needs to put on a little bit of weight. And then when he puts on that little bit of weight, it could be kind of one of those flexible tight ends. And I think if you just keep that in the back of your mind, when we're thinking about what happened to our tight end room, and maybe where the health of that room is, you did the double down. I think from a sales standpoint, we talked about, well, what do you want to have backing up Kenny Galladay? Another big body, a like-for-like replacement. That's what Colin Johnson, don't read into this, you know, let's not read into the statement. He's not going out there and catching 70 balls this year. But it's a like-for-like, and that's important from a, a, a scouting standpoint, a rep standpoint in practice on a week-to-week basis, and a, and a young player that you can try to develop. So love that pickup. 
Touch point on Justin Hilliard. We talked again, as I said, with Jay Stevens about him. He's a young player, obviously, likes the leadership ability, likes the mental IQ, understands the game of football. And that's where he played a very prominent role in college. But you might look and say, where is, is he going to be able to, to duplicate that at the NFL level? I'll actually I'll, I'll make a current Giants comparison in that regard. It's kind of like a Carter Coughlin situation. The dude showed it at college. You're not sure if he's big enough, physical enough, all those things. But if he has the smarts and the knowledge, you at least feel good about bringing as a depth piece. That's a nice addition out of the two defensive ads, though. Quincy Roach, to me, this is a this feels like a bit of a get. Like the Giants would have been happy to have had the opportunity to draft this kid, I think. And now, because of Pittsburgh and their usually stacked defensive depth, he falls by the wayside and and like you say, kudos to Dave Gettleman snatching up three really nice prospects here. Yeah, I mean, he was just drafted in the sixth round of, of this draft, and he was someone that you and I highlighted. The the ultimate thing, and, and you could talk a little bit more in, in depth about it because I know this was someone that you were interested in, Adam, but the idea is we need more people that could get to the quarterback, right? Yep. Like, well, our you know, Odenigbo got released during these cuts, even though he was a guy that we signed early in the offseason thinking that he was going to get pressures on the quarterback. He's not here anymore. And so, as you saw during the preseason, we were getting pushed from guys like Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, but we weren't getting all of the pressure that we want. Carter Coughlin off the edge, Aziz Ojolari off the edge. Mm-hmm. You know, Roche is a, is, a, is a type of guy that, that can get to the quarterback. It's, it's another dimension that we need in this linebacking room. Yeah, and because he comes in, you talk about fitting him into the 3-4 situation, he's 240. And he has familiarity standing up, though. So you're not talking about a guy that, in, we were talking about prospects, right? Someone who had his hand in the dirt. Well, now you want him to stand up. And that's a little bit. You talk about Odeningbo. It was 4-3 fit coming into a 3-4, thinking it would all just work. And it didn't. Some players are, are scheme versatile. Some aren't. So in Quincy Roach's case, when you look at his, at his profile and talk about not necessarily the, the, the lengthiest player, doesn't have, it's not high-end athleticism, but he, he overcomes it by having solid technique, the, the the excuse me the flexibility there the versatility he comes in that you know prospect wise with a, he has multiple moves from a pass rushing standpoint and is at least proficient efficient in the run defense game so I, I think this is really about getting after the quarterback and just saying throw in here Ellerson Smith got moved to IR so you open up a roster spot from a draft pick you took in the fourth round let's bring in another body that we think at whatever percentage you want to put it at, he could end up on the field during the regular season for the Giants for a couple of breather reps where you still feel like we've elevated the floor on what that drop-off is from the starters to the backups and makes it feasible to say we can maintain the same, you know, some similarities of pressure as we need to work through some of these reps during a game. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think you, you highlighted at the top of the show, the Giants from Sunday to today are a better overall team. When you look at what they decided to do, when you talk about trading assets that you were that were going to get claimed by someone else and picking up valuable offensive line depth, was was a home run for the Giants. Mm-hmm. Then you know how they navigated through releasing people, signing them to IR. You know that's not necessarily unique to the Giants, but they did great there. When you talk about the waiver claims, the Giants, you know, I've seen it from other, you know, one one of our friends over at the Rams podcast was like the Giants killed it, like they easily did the best during the waiver waiver period. Uh, I mean, we got three guys that are fairly high upside and, you know, we're going to be moving different people. You saw Trent Harris, maybe got kept out of practice. Ellerson Smith went to IR Dante Pettis kind of out. Those are the guys that maybe are going to be moving off of the roster to be able to have this influx of talent that we didn't have before. 
overall, over the last couple of days, the Giants did everything they needed to do short of potentially trading a high draft pick for like a real starting caliber, set it and forget it offensive lineman. Yeah. And that's the, again, we talk about it. We'd love to do it. And just goes, just tell me the guy, (laughs) tell me the guy on the team. The team goes, I know he's like a pro bowler. You want him? Like it's not, those are hard to get. So I think short of that, to your point, short of that, and maybe a failing in, in, where you came into this offseason, but short of that, you checked every other box that you could have wa- wanted to, made your defense even better from a depth perspective, which is going to be our strength this season, and added nice pieces everywhere else. We'll close out quickly here just on the uh, practice squad because some guys that didn't make it also made it through. So uh, players that got cut that I think, you know, I mentioned him, deserving of a roster spot on the practice squad. Uh, Damian Willis, he showed up in the preseason games, got through. Brett Hedgie said young prospect player after you make those trades, he gets waved to the practice squad. Uh, even Matt Cole, I'll throw him in there as well. Interesting that there is one, two, three, four uh, tight ends on our practice squad. So that should also give you a little bit of, a, of an insight as to where the state of the health is of that position going to the regular season. Don't be surprised if that shuffles a lot here in the coming days as the Giants need to make some moves. Uh, beyond that, though, I, I think everything else really kind of makes sense to me. There had been a point where I thought that Corey Clement had made it through the practice squad, but by the most recent update I see, Dexter Williams is now on the practice squad. I'll have to check in on, uh, full disclosure, don't know where he came from or where we where we ended up finding him in there. Uh, Corey Clement not listed as of now. Any Anything stand out to you in that practice squad group or guys you think are important to have there? Well, so I, I do think, uh, you know, only other noteworthy thing is Montre Harper was very close to making this roster by some people's estimations. I thought he had struggled in a lot of pass protection and it felt like he was getting blown, you know, guys were blown by him every other minute. Yeah. I think he, you know, got released. We thought he may come back to the practice squad. He actually signed with the Las Vegas Raiders practice squad, um, getting out of here. And, and I think he was actually part of the Oakland Raiders at one point too. Yeah. Um, so he may be doing a tour there. I actually think he decided not to go back with the giants because he's like, they're pretty stacked. It's going to be pretty hard for me to break through here. And I'm going to be sitting on the practice squad for quite a while. So maybe I get a better opportunity somewhere else. Um, you know, outside of that, Adam, the only key update that happened today was at actual practice, not the practice squad. And that was Kenny Galladay getting out there. Kadarius Tony getting out there. Saquon Barkley getting out there. Like all the guys that were like, the sky is falling are now all of a sudden likely jogging, you know, 10 days before, before, you know, our opener, it's giving me promise that the the starters are going to be out there. We all we improve the offensive line. When we get this team at full strength, we still don't know what it's going to look like, but you and I still feel pretty good about when everybody's healthy, what this team's potential could be. They won't make an official announcement or decision on Saquon Barkley until next week, they said, but still great to, as you say, to see everybody out there, it will be one of my, one of my greatest shames to have had the freak out that, that we did, you know, just last week. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that I think that Andrew Thomas and, you know, Pert or Solder that's so that the science is all solved on it. Don't be surprised that there's still another move that gets made here. But when, when you, when you talk about these players and say, we believe that they can develop into solid, into solid contributors on this team into solid stars across the offensive line, you have to stay the course and you can't get knocked off of it just because Hey, they looked bad here, right? You know, they had, yes, he got beat up or it's going to be a rotation with Solder. Like, okay, it, it is what it is. It, it doesn't mean that this offensive line and this team cannot still be a dangerous, a dangerous opponent and still get some wins here. I think that was a real, 
it could be the dark day. You know, that was the darkest day and in recent Giants memory when it felt like things were crumbling. And now through all these moves, like you say, you improve depth, you add talent, and you just go, all right, let, let, let's settle down here. Now we've got a week and a half of preparing for the first game of the season. Let's see how everybody looks, get everybody fresh, everybody healthy. And look, week one, right? Knocking on the door. That That's when we'll get to start to really sink our teeth in. So the offseason has been long. There's a little bit left. And I'm, I'm very happy to see this chapter of the season come to a close and the real season begin. Adam, I'll leave you on this. Who would have thought that the New York football giants would have gotten better at the offensive line position and across the board without putting a waiver claim in on another offensive lineman. Like I, that wasn't even in my, my, my thought yeah, process going into Monday morning. I'm like, we got to claim every single offensive lineman that yeah. that's released in the Canadian football league. That's released in, in NFL Europe. Like we got to claim them all, put them XFL in a room and just players, see, yeah, come on, let's go whatever. And, and we end up not doing that yet. I still feel like the giants were successful in improving a position of need at the end of the day. Nate Solder remains on this roster. And, and as much as I've belabored it, I want the team to be good, just like Sam Beal, just like, uh, you know, Raymond Johnson. I love a feel-good story. And Nate Solder being a part of this team in any capacity, that's a feel-good story with everything that he's gone through off the field and now being able to be a part of what the Giants are going to do on the field. We will be back in uh, maybe at the end of the week if it seems like there's enough to really sink our teeth in on. Otherwise, beginning of next week, talking about the practice sessions, seeing who everyone is healthy. And again, where are some of these positions going to be? Any additional moves potentially for the Giants to make? Until then, though, follow us on social media at One Giant Podcast, where Andy's just lighting it up over there with hot takes. You can also, of course, uh, review, subscribe to, and follow the One Giant Podcast where we get those needs fulfilled. Until next time, friends, as Andy Makowitz would want, need, and nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.